0: Hello, everyone. We have Erin Pavlik on today's episode. That name probably sounds very familiar because this is an update episode. You guys, her last episode was aired on February 10th. It was episode 144, so make sure you go check it out if you haven't listened to her previous story. Erin, I'm going to just toss it at you, kind of fill us in from where we left off, and then what's been going on.
1: Okay. Hi, Shelly. I'm so excited to be back again and have a good story to share (laughs) and you know talk about the postpartum period of going from my loss right into the pregnancy because that was crazy and then ultimately ended up delivering during the first two weeks of everything shutting down from COVID so that was fun um, and I remember that. you, you and I
0: chatting too. I was like, "Oh my gosh, yes.
1: this is just crazy! It, it's <laughs> so crazy!" And you know, you're still in it, and you're still looking at delivering with closures and shutdowns and no support people. And yes, how do you think you feel about that?
0: You know, I, I think I'm okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think you really know until you're like in it, um, right? Right now, hospitals here are still allowing spouses. So that's great. My biggest thing is um, just my son not being able to come and see us in the hospital. That's probably my biggest concern right now. So hopefully things kind of clear up, but I'm interested in hearing like your story and like your version of it, kind of what you went through, because maybe it will prepare me a little bit. Yeah, I honestly I don't know if I'm still prepared for it. It was crazy.
1: Crazy, but that was definitely one of the worst things is having not being able to have our kids come meet their baby brother and our 5-year-old was so devastated by our loss for him not to be able to come see and that we're okay was extremely hard, especially with what you guys had gone through beforehand too, I bet. Right, and he was really into that, and he knew everything that was going on. And then we're like, "Oh, we're gonna go ha- go back to the hospital," and he was just like, "Oh, no, 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 you have to stay home." No, oh, <laughs> he was not comfortable with it. But but okay, so the last time we talked, um, I was twenty three weeks pregnant then when we um, recorded that episode, and I had just barely barely mentioned the pregnancy because. Honestly, I couldn't, I couldn't acknowledge it because it was, it was just too hard to acknowledge, to let myself get attached. I had just gone through the weeks of when I lost my son and he was born at, um, we found out at 20 weeks and five days that he didn't have a heartbeat and he was born at 21 weeks on the dot. And that was last June. So I had just gone through those weeks and those weeks were the weeks of hell. Um, I would wake up crying and for no reason, like literally tears would wake me out of sleep. And I would just feel like he's dead. He's gone. I, I, that's it. This one's over too. I lost this baby too. And that happened for me from like 21 weeks or from 17 weeks until about 22 weeks. And it was just the worst. Like, I can't even explain how bad it was. And going back to like the first part of my pregnancy, I had gotten pregnant seven weeks postpartum. So, technically, because you go back to your first period on um, there, the first day of your period, um, it was five weeks postpartum. So, I didn't have any time to grieve. I had no time to really wrap my head around it. I was still very much in the numb phase and I was having terrible nightmares that everybody around me was going to die. I was seeing a psychologist who was helping me tremendously, but she had said to me, um, I kept asking, telling her that I just wanted my timeline back. I wanted my baby to be born in October, like he was supposed to be. I wanted my pregnancy back. I, I just desperately wanted to get that timeline back. And when you're in that phase of grief and postpartum hormones, it was just part of me thought that I could actually have that back. It was, it was very disturbing thinking back on it now that I really thought that I could have that. And the psychologist said to me one day, she said, you know, it's really hard to bond with someone new when you're already grieving somebody. And that really hit a chord with me. And I said, okay, okay, I need to give myself some time and grieve our loss of our son. And then we'll talk about getting pregnant. Because what this really taught me was how desperately I wanted a third baby. So as fate would have it though, I ended up getting pregnant, like literally like the next week after talking to her about that and making the decision, okay, I'm fine with waiting a little bit. It'll be okay. And so we got pregnant and my coping skills completely went away. I had to, you know how you fight or flight. I just did the flight. I had to go away. I threw myself into yoga. I did not acknowledge that I was pregnant. And I've never had an early miscarriage. So I had no reason to believe that that might happen. But now it felt so real that from listening to all the podcasts, from my friends having miscarriages, from me having a loss, it felt like, well, it could happen. I'm not technically the one in four or one in three, if you think about it that way, but it could happen. I had a stillborn, but I could still have an early miscarriage. And so I had to not acknowledge the pregnancy and I threw myself into yoga and I, and I do crazy yoga, like the hot power yoga where you do headstands and all that. And mind you, I was still like between seven weeks postpartum and going to about eight weeks newly pregnant. So my body definitely was not ready for yoga, but it's what my mind needed. And I was really sick in the beginning of pregnancy. And the doctors kept asking me, how are you? Are you okay? Are you having any symptoms? And I was like, I don't know. I kind of threw up a couple of times, but I'm okay. I just need him to have a heartbeat. And that's how disconnected I was that I didn't even realize that I was sick. And um, let's see, I started a low dose of Zoloft, like literally the day I got pregnant and so that really really helped me it helped baseline my emotions so i wasn't all over the place um, i felt really bad for not crying for a long time because i was so used to crying every single day i was so used to just being taken over by these emotions that taking this so really helped bring me down to a baseline and I had told my psychologist that I felt bad about this, that I wasn't having these big emotions. I feel like I still should be crying every day and grieving my son. And she asked me if it was really that bad to not feel these big emotions. Can't we just be at a baseline for a little bit? And again, she was just a lifesaver. She really helped me understand, like, okay, that that is okay. This is much better than the nightmares that I was having and the crying, and now I can just kind of focus on getting back to a little bit of normalcy. Um, so as as a pregnancy went on, it I was really excited to kind of get out of my postpartum time and hormones really go for three months, I was told, after postpartum. Um, one, I never had my milk come in after my son. And a lot of people have their milk come in and are shocked by that. And I was too. And I'm a huge birth junkie. And for some reason, it didn't occur to me that even though I my son was born still, that I my milk would still produce. And thankfully, it didn't happen. But I remember back in pregnancy when I was about 17 weeks along, I think my milk came in then. And that's when he passed. So that was really weird. I wasn't prepared for that at all. And so I didn't have to deal with that directly after postpartum, which was, which was nice. I feel so bad for some of the women that, that that happens and their milk fully comes in and they have to pump and you know, try to get it to dry up. Or some people even donate it, which is really nice. Um, but so we got through like the first trimester, um, all of our doctor's appointments were awful. I am really triggered by doctor's appointments. I was, I think we talked about this on the last episode, just complete PTSD and like how your blood pressure was really high. My pulse rate was through the roof. It's like I was running a marathon. And I would just cry and it was just, it was really, really hard to get through. But I had had like three ultrasounds in the first trimester, which usually I would have maybe one. And But I felt like I needed all the support of my doctors. I needed people to literally put their hands on me and hold me up and make me feel comfortable. And my doctors were so amazing about this. They told me anytime I want to come in, I can. Anytime I feel off, I can come in and they'll get me in for an ultrasound or just to hear the baby's heartbeat. And really everybody's providers need to be like that. I hear some horrible stories about people's doctors telling them, oh, you're fine. You're being too paranoid. No, when it comes to your baby, the little life inside you, you can never be too careful. And I used to be so hands-off and just be like, it's going to be what it's going to be. And I have faith that everything is fine. And this time I really needed that support. And I'm so thankful that I found that support in my providers. And they really helped me through everything. And then, so we got to October and that is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness, awareness Month. And my husband and I, we did a lot of activities this month, which was so amazing. We really, really needed it. We went to um, a candle lighting where a group has been organized. They write all the babies that have been lost names on on bags that have candles in them. And we hold a vigil for them. And it was a real wake-up call to see how many bags. There were lining this park and it was so beautiful all in the same time because it was at dusk and all these beautiful candles and remembering our little babies and I remember my husband and I like we we're sitting in the middle of this gazebo and watching this video that the people who put it on put this video together and it had all the names of our, our lost babies on and it was just so beautiful. And I brought his bear with us and just held on to his bear. And we just cried and everyone around us cried. And I actually made a friend. Um, she had a similar story to me and had a little bear. And she came up to me and we just kind of cried together. We'd never met each other before, but we just kind of cried. And then went our separate ways and we ran into each other. and. due date group on Facebook and we're both like hey didn't we just meet each other last week and we've been friends ever since and it was really cool we had losses at the same same time gestation and then our babies were actually born a week apart from each other healthy and alive so that was amazing and What else did I do in October? It was such a great month. It really helped me heal. And I encourage anybody who has had a loss to find the community because the people can just help you so much. Just being able to be with a room of people who all get what you feel and understand the negative thoughts, the hopelessness, the uncontrollable crying, the positivity when you're trying to find that. You know, it's just really refreshing to be in that setting with them. They help so much. And I had gone to a birth story circle with our local doula um, company that she's been our doula for um, our last, well, now three babies. Um, but they have a company and they did a birth story circle um, to tell your story of your lost babies. And that helped amazing it helped to process everything that had gone on and i never realized it before but you know some people are real big talkers and some people really want to keep it to themselves and i am definitely a talker i need to process i tell the story and it helps get the jumbled thoughts out of my head and i told the story and i i had told the room which was filled with my friends all people that i knew And I said, you know, I have this comfort bear and I really wanted to bring him, but I just couldn't do it because I was afraid somebody would want to hold him. And I know that's such a silly thought for, for somebody not to want my friends to hold a bear that I have. My doula said, that makes sense. If your son was here, he would be a newborn and your bear represents your son and you wouldn't want anybody the whole room holding your newborn you wouldn't be passing him around and that just brought me so much comfort to know that my crazy thoughts like that that oh i don't want everybody here hold my bear that other people said that's okay that makes sense that you wouldn't want that to happen and it was just a great way to find community. It really helped me heal. And that's what we did the whole month of October was just events like that. And um, after that month, I felt like I did so much healing. And, you know, when you go to the hospital and you have a baby and they give you a bag full of things like pads and a an peri bottle and different th- the mesh undies, different things like that. Well, when we had come home from the hospital with my son, I dropped this bag in the middle of our master bathroom, and it was in the middle of the floor. And that bag stayed in the middle of the floor until October, from June to October. I could not move it. I could not touch it. My, Thankfully, my husband was so understanding, and he didn't try to touch it. He didn't try to move it. It just stayed right there in the middle of the floor where I needed to stay until I was ready. And one day in late October, which was coincidentally um, our son's due date. So that's another thing that was hard on that, in that month. And I finally picked up this bag and I walked it out to the trash, like it could not be in my house anymore. And I walked it out to the trash can and I threw it away. But before that moment, I was not ready. I think I would have been furious if somebody had actually moved it before I was ready. So little things like that were just so triumphant and they felt so good to get that pressure off my back and just go along with what was happening now. And so I started being able to focus on my current pregnancy. I really never super bonded with the baby in my belly. Um, we did genetic tests and it all came back that he was perfectly fine, uh, super healthy little boy, nothing was wrong with him. And I still thought, well, so was my son that passed, he was perfect and we found nothing wrong with him and he still passed. So in the back of your mind, that just plays over and over that this can happen again, no matter what. So that was extremely hard to to go with, but at the end of the day, I still tried to make a few moments to bond with my the baby in my belly. And it was just really hard going to those doctor's appointments, doing all that fun stuff. Like walking into my anatomy scan, I cried the whole way there where I wasn't even realizing I was crying. And I remember walking in the bathroom and I like ugly cried and I let myself ugly just sob for a few minutes. And then I pulled myself together and I walked back into the waiting room and they called us back. And I like shook my head walking into this r- ultrasound room cause I said, I don't want to do it. I was ready just to go home and not do the ultrasound at all. And the tech was really sweet. They had already known our situation and our, our doctor was there and he made sure we had the head of the department doing our ultrasound so we wouldn't have any things like we did before with having a student and having a doctor that we didn't know come in and tell us the news and I told this lady I said just I'm not I'm gonna close my eyes and just tell me if he has a heartbeat and she was super sweet and asked when the last time I heard his heartbeat was and I said an hour before we left (laughs) so I had just heard it and you know in my head, I knew he was okay, but my heart was so traumatized that I, I just couldn't believe it. And so she put his heartbeat on, and it was amazing and strong, and she did the most wonderful ultrasound on us, and we got to see him doing all kinds of things. He was amazing, and and then I, I, I calmed down after that, which was nice, from like 22 weeks until – until delivery, I was able to calm down a little bit. But I still didn't buy anything. And I think this is really common. Um, from lost moms, just not to buy anything because we don't think we're going to bring our babies home. So we don't want to do the nursery. I didn't buy my son any clothes. He, I, got, I didn't buy anything until 32 weeks. And my Nana was like, you need a car seat. I'm buying you your car seat. You need to order it. (laughs) And so that was the first thing that we bought. And that's because my, my Nana forced me into it. And my mom kept asking me what kind of diapers I wanted to use. And I said, I don't know. I can't even think about it. And this is usually stuff I'm very opinionated on. But the thought of even buying diapers was too much. So every time she went to the store, she'd buy me a pack of diapers and she'd come over and stash them somewhere for me. And I never had to deal with it. It was so nice, so helpful. And at 33 weeks, I finally bought my first thing and it was a swaddle blanket to bring him home in. And I was so proud and I had texted my husband and my best friend and I said, I bought something for him. I think this means he's going to come home. I think this is my my piece of hope and I really believe that he might come home now. I'm, I was just so proud of myself that I bought something. It was amazing to have that feeling to push through all those dark days and to get to a point of believing that hopefully you're bringing this baby home. And so that was in February. And then we know that all the COVID stuff happened in March And let's see, my five-year-old son's school closed down. I think it was like March 15th or so that week. And so we went through that transition of him being home from school. We were hearing stories of women in New York being forced to birth alone because their support people weren't allowed in the hospitals because just New York was hit so bad with this pandemic. And that was extremely scary. I had always pictured with my next birth that I would have all these people that loved me and that I loved around me. I would have their hands on me, literally lifting me up in support. And now I'm facing none of them are going to be able to come. We, I wanted my five-year-old son to be able to be there because he was so traumatized by the loss of his little brother. I wanted him to be able to come to the last, like one of our last ultrasounds, which was at 35 weeks, which was the week that everything closed down. So the day before I had called the hospital and they said, you can have one support person, but if you don't need a support person, we'd rather you bring nobody. And I said, well, I'm not walking into an ultrasound because those are my trigger without my husband. And we were planning on bringing our son so he could see his baby brother on the screen and know that most of the time babies are okay. Most of the time they live. And now we couldn't do that. And that was so hard. And he knew he was supposed to come with us. It was it was just heartbreaking. He, We told him, you know, okay, we're getting ready to leave. We'll be back. And he said, but what if the baby dies again? And, oh my gosh, you want your heart to just shatter when you hear your five-year-old say that, to be so young and worried that your baby is going to die again. It was heartbreaking, and I hated leaving him, but we had to go, and so we went to the hospital, and for this ultrasound just a growth scan and we walked in and it was like walking into a sci-fi movie everybody had masks and there was tables set up with uh, like ropes that you could only walk this way and somebody was in our face with a huge bottle of hand sanitizer telling us to hold our hands out and checking our temperature and it was just crazy and they told us right then that my husband couldn't come up with us And I lost it. And I said, no, I called yesterday. They said he could. I'm not going. I can't go without him. And I'm crying. And my husband takes me and he looks me in the eye. And he said, I really want to see our son. Please go get the ultrasound done. We'll FaceTime. And I'll be there with you. Just on FaceTime, okay? And I'll wait right here and it'll be okay. And I was still saying, no, I'm not going. I'm not going. Somehow he talked me into walking up the stairs and, and going to the office, um, which was so, so eerie. There was no other patients up there. They really kept us moving. They got us in and out. And the first thing they did was check my vitals. And my blood pressure was 157 over 90 something, 95, I think it was. And I've never had high blood pressure before, but that was definitely the the center of that. It was I was just blowing up in that moment. And my doctor came and met me. I'm just tears streaming down my face. My blood pressure through the roof. And he's so great. He he calmed me down and he said, You know, I understand how you're feeling. I'm so sorry this is happening right now. Um, let's go in and check out your baby and You know, you've been feeling movement and you've checked the heartbeat on Doppler and everything and he's okay, okay. And he was just super supportive. And we went in for the ultrasound and of course he was perfect, everything was fine, but that experience was was really difficult because I had done so much work to get to a positive spot and then just to be have everything kind of taken away, my support people was hard and I was 35 weeks then and so my next appointment I figured we'd go to weekly but because the hospitals didn't want us to do that now it was limited contact um, we had to set up a virtual appointment for 37 weeks and I wasn't too thrilled about this I had a feeling that it just wasn't going to go well I really needed to have that in-person contact I really needed somebody to tell me he's still alive I could do the doppler all day long at home and I still wouldn't believe it I needed a professional to tell me he was okay so we had that appointment and I knew that I wouldn't make it to it somehow I just I knew deep down inside and as all the news started coming out more about COVID um, We started really getting worried that our hospital systems were going to be overrun with patients. And one, what if it's not safe to go into the hospitals because there are so many sick patients? Um, Lots of uh, departments were closing to make room for COVID patients. So we were wondering, okay, what if our labor and delivery closes? What if My husband isn't allowed to come with me. How are we going to navigate this? That ended up starting to be the big question is, what are we going to do? And my hospital was an hour away. So the plan to begin with was to labor at home as long as possible, go up and get a hotel room close to my hospital. And I wanted to go in pushing. I had also had two C-sections. So this is my VBAC after two C-sections. So I'm high risk because of that. I'm high risk because I had a stillborn. And now we're in the middle of a pandemic and nobody can come with us. And it was just, it was insanity to even think back and what we were thinking, what was going through our minds at this time. And I'm really involved in the birth world around, around our community and I contacted a home birth midwife who had just attended one of my best friends home birth and I asked her if she would support us if the hospitals get to this bad and we can't go into a hospital or it's too dangerous to go to a hospital would she come and support us even though I was so high risk there was nothing Health wrong with me. I wasn't on any medication. My blood pressure was typically fine. No GD, anything like that. But because of the C sections and the stillborn, I was high risk. So she actually told us that she would support us, which was amazing. And but there was no part of us that actually felt comfortable having a home birth. But when you're faced with this, who would have thought we would have had a pandemic like this? not in my wildest dreams did I think that I'd be having a baby in these times and so we had our like our backup plan we had our doula we were ready to rent a Airbnb if I needed a birth there if we couldn't go into into the hospitals um, it was insane but so a week later um, I started bleeding one morning. And I woke up and I was getting my kids' breakfast and everything, and I felt a little funny. My tummy was like kind of hard, and I felt like just one constant contraction. I went to the bathroom and I wiped, and there was blood, bright red blood. And I have never bled with any pregnancies, not even with my son that we lost. I didn't bleed with him. And so this caused panic. I was just over. 36 weeks. I was 36 weeks and three days. And I had talked to my doula, a couple of people in the birth community. And we thought, maybe this is a good thing. Maybe it's just cervical change. And my body's doing some things to work on getting the baby out on its own, which I had never dilated before labor before. So that was awesome. Well, as the day went on, I had, um, the intense urge to like wash my hair and we had been in quarantine for two weeks now. So I'm at home with a five year old, a two and a half year old, and it was just craziness around here. The house is a mess. I hadn't packed. I had just started putting my husband and mine's clothes out on the bed the week prior, thinking oh, I should probably get some things together. So I had this intense urge to like wash my hair and pack our bags and I did all that throughout the day, zero contractions, the bleeding kind of subsided. And then we get to nighttime and I started gushing blood. And I called my doctor and he said, you know, you're not having any pain if it was a placental abruption or a uterine rupture, you'd be having so much blood and pain that you would be in the hospital already. Hopefully it's just cervical change, let's see what happens. And so we put our kids to bed, and during that time, I started having really intense contractions, and they were off the bat super long, and they would not stop no matter what I did. I tried all these different positions. Nothing was helping them, and I, I'm i a pretty good laborer. I love the labor, but this is super intense. It was really painful, and just nothing was helping them, and I was having little gushes of blood. And around, let's see, 11, I had called in our support people. I had my mother-in-law come over to be here for our other kids and called my doula to come help me because I was not coping well. And so everybody got here about 1130. And by before, just before 1 a.m., my contractions were double peaking and I said it's time to go we were going to the hospital and it was the first time I had decided this and through all my labors and it was my choice to go to the hospital this time and we packed up got in the car and we went and during the ride I could tell that I was gushing blood and we got to the hospital and we could not get a hold of our doctor Um, and we kept paging him and he wasn't answering and we got there and it was a long story short. It was a lot of drama at the hospital because I was a VBAC after two C sections. The doctor that I, I had was the only doctor that supports them. Um, And now I was gushing blood and nobody had said the words to me of why I was bleeding, but it was very intense. And um, I, I blocked a lot of it out. My husband, Was pretty scarred by it, and he had just written written out our our birth story for me, and it was very emotional to read that because he was talking about how the blood was pouring onto the floor, and I was getting pale, and everybody was racing around and trying to figure out what to do, and it was like the doctors and the nurses were all arguing with each other, saying that this is going to be an emergency C-section, we need to get the baby out. I Remember a nurse taking me by the shoulders and telling me that I need to flip on the side because the baby's heart rate is going down. And then she'd flip me over again and, oh, it's down again. And I asked, what was it at? And she said, it's in the 90s. And then she would flip me again and say, it's in the 80s and it's in the 70s. And I kept saying, he's okay. I know he's okay. It's okay. Calm down and i'm telling the nurses this but i i really just had this feeling that everything was going to be okay and finally my doctor rides in like a knight on a white horse he checks me he said you're far enough dilated let's deliver the baby push and i pushed with a vengeance and then that hurt so bad i backpedaled real quick and i didn't want to do it anymore and he was getting really stern with me and telling me that I need to push and um, I finally asked him for a vacuum assist and he did that it was the baby was right there he's like you don't need it the baby's right here you can just push and he'll come out and I was so spent and it was so painful and I just didn't want to do it anymore it hurt so bad and so he helped me with that last little push and our baby boy's head came out and my Hands flew down to his head. I felt the vacuum still on his head. Nobody had told me it's okay to do this. I just took it upon myself to touch him. I had told my doctor, I want to be the first hands on my baby. With C sections, you don't get to do that. You get them when they're all cleaned up and nice. And I said, This baby is just so special. I need to be the first person to touch him. And my hands flew to him and I remember the doctor saying, there's his shoulders. And I felt his shoulders rotate in me. And I just took him under the arms and I pulled our baby boy into the world. And it was the most amazing thing ever. It is the thing that I had dreamt about, that I had prayed and cried for. And he was alive and he was doing so well. He was born at 36 weeks and four days and it never once crossed my mind that he would be considered a preemie but they consider 30 weeks preemie and they said either he will act like a full term baby or he will act like a preemie and he did he um had some blood sugar issues and some jaundice but his lungs were strong and beautiful and and he was here and it was so amazing and come to find out later Why I was bleeding that much was because we had a placental abruption. And I asked my doctor later on about it, and I said, if labor hadn't gone that quickly, would it have been a different situation? And he said, absolutely, that if labor hadn't progressed that quickly, we would have been looking at a true emergency. And that was extremely scary to look back and think that he's, um, he could have been harmed, he could have been oxygen deprived, he could have been stillborn. And I joined a Facebook page and started doing some research on placental abruption. And the majority of the time, it seems like it does not end up well. And we are just so extremely lucky. My husband at some point thought, during that labor thought, I'm about to lose my second son in a a row and possibly my wife. How can this be happening? And I'm, I'm so thankful I was in labor (laughs) and I was in labor land and I didn't realize that the seriousness was going on. And I was just so overjoyed that he, he came and And he's perfect. And the postpartum period with him during quarantine has been interesting and very lonely. Not seeing my mom and my husband's mom. Usually they're very big, helpful people when I have babies, and they they had watched our other two. And while we were in the hospital, because they could not come visit us, the hospital stay was very lonely you know you have your rainbow baby and nobody's coming to see you you can't see the grandparents gush over their new baby and love on him and talk about how beautiful he is um we got home and they both you know left and went home and it was almost a full week when i i was crying to my husband i said i need to see my mom and My mom came over, and it was just so amazing. We just sat around with her, but I am definitely a person who needs to have that support of the people around us, and it's kind of awful that this virus has made so many new moms in a situation where they aren't having support, and our postpartum period, we really need support. We need people to bring us food and hold our baby while we go take a shower, or take a nap, or play with our older kids, and we didn't have any of that, and we were lucky my husband had paternity leave. He got six weeks, but he went from working full-time to at home with three kids, one being a newborn, a newly postpartum wife, and quarantine. Absolutely nowhere to take the kids. So that was really hard on him and just a big adjustment and it was just such an experience and I'm so glad that it's taking a turn and hopefully going to be over soon, hopefully. At least for the summertime, I'm hoping that the virus dies down and we can get back to normal.
0: Yes. So... I agree. It'll be so, like, I need it so bad. Yeah, I bet. Oh, my goodness. And we're
1: looking at our one-year anniversary coming up in a couple of weeks. So June 12th is our son's first heavenly birthday. And I'm looking for things to do for him. And I don't really know what I want to do to honor, to memorialize. I don't even know if those are the right words I want to use just to remember him. So that's that's something that's weighing heavy on my mind these days.
0: Yeah, you'll have to share with us because I know a lot of people are, you know, kind of stuck with like, gosh, what do I do? You know, like what? Yeah, should I do? So if you if you find something that you feel is um, really like healing and helpful, you should definitely share. Okay, I'm definitely
1: looking into a lot of options. Um, One was a flower that blooms around this time of year. Um, which sounds beautiful, but I'm not sure how I feel about that because what if the plant dies? Yeah. You know? Totally. And and then there's this other part of me that says, well, what if it lives? Will I be angry at the plant because it lived and my son didn't? Mm-hmm. It, it's uh, so many conflicting feelings. Yeah. So, I, well,
0: yes, you'll have to, you'll have to keep us posted. And thank you so much for uh, feeling the pull to like come back on and share your story. I think that it's going to be so helpful for so many people and your little boys here. And it's just like, so amazing. And I, your story is just, it blows my mind. You are a badass. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I'm so happy he's here. And
1: I can't wait to hear your story. I really hope this is all blown over by the time you get to deliver and your son gets to come meet his baby brother at the hospital.
0: I know. Me too. Like, so bad. I know. We will. We'll. It's just a waiting game. We'll see. I guess. I know. Um, gosh, crazy times for sure. But now, Erin, if someone wants to reach out to you, where could they do so?
1: Um, definitely Instagram or even Facebook. Um, I think my account might be private, so just shoot me a DM and. I had lots of questions after la- our last episode, which I loved. Like, please
0: contact me.
1: Let's talk.
0: <laughs> I know, right? I always feel like it's amazing that they're being like a burden by messaging. And I'm like, no, like, <laughs> no. We, you know, like if you come on here to share, it's because you want to talk about it. Yes. <laughs> so reach it's out, so you guys. It's amazing
1: to talk about it.
0: Yes. And I feel like I didn't ask you this. If you had one piece of advice for somebody in a similar situation, what would it be? Oh, boy. Um, I think for
1: somebody who's, I'll I'll give some advice for somebody who goes right into pregnancy after loss. Yeah. Um, Be gentle with yourself. Let yourself get through each day, however that may be. I might not have acknowledged my baby for months, but I knew he was fine and I was taking care of him. And that's how I had to cope. And that's okay. And he's here and he's beautiful and he is not scarred from me trying to ignore that he was in my (laughs) belly. He's beautiful. So,
0: but that's how I had to get through it. And that's okay. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Cause there's definitely some guilt to that feeling. Um, So much guilt. they don't know. No, I wanted so bad to like
1: connect to him. I was like, you know, let me do all these things for you. Show me your face. Tell me your name. And I just couldn't, I was just, all I need from you is to have a heartbeat.
0: Mm -hmm. That's it. Yep. So one day at a time. Yep. One day at a time. Thank you so much, Erin. And we'll keep in touch. Mm -hmm. Talk soon. Okay. Sounds good.